I've been uh, in a series on the commands of Jesus because he, he tells us that we need to have his commands and do them in order to show how much we love him. And so I've been preaching a lot of commands that I've never preached on before, and this is another one of those commands. It's in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. The sermon is entitled, Wolves in Sheep's Clothing. And it's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We're getting, we're getting towards the end of it, about the middle of chapter 7. The Sermon on the Mount is 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. <clears throat> And Jesus has just warned us last week to go by the narrow gate because the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. And now this is what he says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So if you ever heard the phrase a wolf in sheep's clothing, this is where it comes from. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. A sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. But the heart of it is that first verse, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What's he referring to? What danger is he cautioning us to be aware of? Let's bow together. Father, there are people vying for our attention and our loyalty and our love and our resources all around us. And some are better than others. And so help us be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Help us to follow you and follow those who follow you faithfully and not be led off course in any way. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is another command of Jesus that I've never preached on. And there's a good reason, I guess, why I was reluctant to do so is because I'm afraid. I'm afraid someone might judge me. Someone might find my faults when I drop my defenses. But I need to be judged, just as everyone does, whom, to whom you listen for biblical teaching and instruction. And let me just go ahead and give you carte blanche. If I ever say anything or preach anything that is not biblical, confront me. If I ever live or do anything that is not Christian, challenge me. You need to do that by God's word. You need to do that. I don't know anyone who has this passage as their favorite. But I cannot imagine a more important warning or more relevant because Jesus commands us with an imperative to beware. And anytime our Lord tells us to beware something, we better sit up and pay attention because he is trying to protect us from one of the most dangerous things in the world. So let's hear what it is that Jesus is warning us towards because every generation is going to have its share of false prophets. And you need to be smart, you need to be wise, and you need to be discerning. Let me give you some background as we get started, as I like to do. In Jesus' day, shepherds wore sheepskin for covering and warmth and protection. And that's why many times in the Old Testament when Jesus called 
Or when, when God called a shepherd in the Old Testament, you read about him as a prophet having a hairy mantle. He was wearing a sheepskin. John the Baptist wore a sheepskin. And eventually a sheepskin became the uniform for prophets. Just as Greek philosophers would wear long flowing robes, prophets of God wore sheepskin, but there were folks who wore shepherd's clothing that had no right to do so. They wore the garb of a prophet. They pretended to be a prophet. They pretended to have a word from the Lord, but they did not live a prophet's life. They had no fixed address. They wandered throughout the countryside, walking around and preaching, much like an itinerant evangelist today. And they convinced people that they were bringing a message from God. And they were respected because they sacrificed everything and they left everything behind to serve God and in the New Testament to serve the church. But it was a profession that was open to abuse and so some men used it to gain prestige, to gain influence, and they imposed on the generosity of some of the most trusting people in the world found in the church. And they ended up living a life of pampered idleness. As a matter of fact, in Jesus' day, there was a Jewish writing that said that a prophet was to be respected and welcomed. He should remain one day or at the most two days. But if he remained three days or longer, he has worn out his welcome, he is considered to be a false prophet and should be sent on his way. So today, what gives someone the right to stand up and say they are preachers or prophets or spokesmen for God? Anyone can hang out a shingle and call themselves an evangelist and start preaching and collecting money. So be careful. Be wise. There's so many examples. Do you remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Heritage USA. They were riding high until they sold more timeshares at Heritage USA than they could fulfill. I had a church member in my last church who actually bought one of those timeshares and I, I went to the website and looked at pictures of Heritage USA and south of Charlotte today, and it is, it's just rotting down. If you flip your channel on TV late enough, you will find a television evangelist preaching the Bible. Do you remember Reverend Ike? Reverend Ike had a blessing plan, and I figured it out. If you send him your money, he'll get the blessing. He rode around in a limo, and, and I saw pictures of him on the back seat of his limo with a leopard skin uh, upholstery. And I, I heard a reporter ask him a question one day. He said, Reverend Ike, isn't it true that it's more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven? Do you know what Reverend Ike said? He said, that's true. So if you want to enter heaven, you better give me all your money. Ernest Angsley, I looked him up on the internet this week. He's still alive. He's 93 years old, pastor of Grace Cathedral in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. They estimate his net worth at $1 billion, with a B, dollars. And church members who leave that church have to go through post-traumatic stress disorder counseling. Just because someone says they're a preacher and they use all the right catchphrases and talk about God and healing and the rapture and second coming does not make them legitimate. If they're always begging 
for money to do the Lord's work, Jesus says, beware. I was watching the news this week on ABC and Leah Remini. Have you been following her? She was a star in uh, the King of Queens or something, Queen of Kings, something like that. And she is leaving. She's left the Church of Scientology and written a book called Troublemaker. And she describes her break and the hold that they had on every area of her life for, 30, for three decades, for 30 years. And it was frightening. And of course, Scientology has issued statements telling how sad she is and doing this for attention, but she has a lot of facts in her book that back up the control that Scientology had on her life. So be careful, be wise, be discerning. Because when you hear wolves in sheep's clothing, they aren't going to look like wolves. They're too smart. Christians are just so susceptible to false teaching because we are by nature loving and trusting and we want to believe the best about others. And so in the minds of some who would prey upon Christians, we are what they call easy pickings for those who would profit from our good nature and and big-heartedness. So Jesus is not talking about the Sadducees and Pharisees here, those who are openly his enemies. He's talking about folks who come into the church under the guise of doing the work of the Lord. But somewhere along the way, they ended up doing their own business. And we're, we're not going to go along with open heresy or blasphemy, so the problem is more subtle. It's more underhanded. It lies with the teacher or preacher who looks good and begins saying all the right things. He has all the right cliches and he comes across as authoritative and sincere and dogmatic. He looks like a sheep in Jesus' flock and most genuine sheep fail to notice what? That he really is a wolf. And many a church... I could give you church after church that has been split and divided by someone who came in and started out preaching truth, but eventually arrogance and misunderstanding or misinterpretation of Scripture surfaced, and some members stood up against him while others went along with him, and that divided the church. You can't let that happen. The word for false prophet here in verse 15 is just what you think it would be. It's pseudo-prophetes in the Greek. Pseudo meaning false. Prophetes, we get the word prophet right from it. So this is a false prophet, someone who presents themselves as God's spokesperson, who pretends to have a message from the Lord, or they'll tell you they have a word from the Lord, but they are in reality a deceiver. And so how are you supposed to know well, Jesus gives us two tests, two criteria by which to weigh and measure them. And the first one is their teaching. And I have heard preachers and evangelists that I simply disagree with. That's not what I'm talking about here. When someone is mistaken in their doctrine and fails to understand the truth of Scripture, what do we do? We gently correct them and set them on the right path. We need to do is what the Bible says in Acts 18, verse 26, do you remember when Apollos was preaching? 
And he only knew the baptism of John. He did not know the baptism of Jesus. In Acts 18, 26, Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila took him aside and expounded to him the way of God more accurately. That's what you do if somebody is just misinformed or misinterpreting or misunderstanding Scripture. But someone who knows the Bible and is blatantly twisting it to accomplish their own selfish ends is a deceiver. And their method is not obvious at first. They won't start out with drastic changes or differences in theology. They'll start out with something harmless, innocuous. But eventually their true intentions begin to surface and the differences begin to appear. And so if they disguise themselves and their teachings well enough, how are we supposed to recognize them for who they really are? Jesus gives us a second test. He says, not only do you measure them by their teaching, but you also measure them by their lifestyle. All prophets claim to speak the truth, claim to speak in the spirit, but the litmus test is their fruit, their character, their lifestyle. A true prophet not only teaches the truth, he also lives the truth. And just as a tree is judged by its fruit, so you have the right to judge someone who purports to speak for God. As goes the root which you cannot see, so goes the fruit which you can see. And so a prophet may wear all the right clothes and say all the right things, but if their interests are selfish, if they are more concerned with themselves than they are the kingdom and others, if they are constantly asking for funds so they might do the Lord's work, Jesus says, beware, beware. In Jesus' day, there was a certain thistle called a buckthorn, and it bore blackberries that resembled grapes. And there was also a thistle that had a flower, and from a distance it resembled a fig. But one bite from the berry would prove it wasn't a grape, and a closer look at the flower would prove it wasn't a fig. So you judge a tree by its fruit and by its flower when you look at it more closely. There, there are a couple ways that a teacher can allow self-interest to dominate their, their motivation and their purposes. One thing you may notice about a false teacher is that they teach solely for self-gain and self-gratification. I'm ashamed to tell you this, but we actually had a, a guy in seminary when I was there who needed a new car. And he had a church about an hour out from Louisville, out in the country. And he, it's a true story. He knew an elderly lady in his church had just gotten a new Cadillac. And so he went out that morning. We heard this story the following week. He went out that morning and preached that he needed a new car and that the Lord had told him that somebody would give him a Cadillac. And that elderly lady felt so guilty. Apparently she did so, and he showed up on campus Monday morning driving a new Cadillac, and we gave him fits for manipulating the gospel to achieve such selfish, self-centered ends. Some people do it for gain. Some people 
teach solely for prestige because no one can prove at the same time that both Jesus and he are wonderful. So test to see if the prophet decreases so that Jesus might increase. Because if, if a preacher is praising himself, there's little room to praise Jesus. Thirdly, he may be preaching just to transmit his own ideas. If he's spreading his own image of the truth, or is he proclaiming God's truth? A prophet, a true prophet, listens for the voice of God before he opens his own mouth. And it is a preacher's duty to bring God's truth forward, not his own ideas of the truth. And Jesus says the true nature of a prophet cannot be long hidden because if he does not advocate the narrow way that Jesus was just talking about that leads to life and those who find it are few, if he does not advocate the narrow way, then he will not be living it either. And it will eventually come out. He will eventually be exposed because by their fruit, you should know them. Now, on the other hand, don't take this to the extreme and go on a heresy hunt because Jesus condemned the judgmental attitude as well, but false teachers have to be identified and dealt with if they are not immediately recognized by their false doctrine, then sooner or later they'll be recognized by their false lives. Several years ago, here's a perfect example. We had a gentleman who came in this church and sat on the front pew every Sunday. Do you remember? He sat on the front pew Sunday after Sunday, and he told somebody that the Lord had told him that that God would give him two members from our church fellowship to follow him. Well, he made the mistake of going to Lynn Kelly's Sunday school class. And he began to interrupt the teaching in Lynn Kelly's class and interject his own thoughts and his own ideas. And somebody in that class said, no, you are wrong. And he left because somebody recognized him for the false prophet that he was and called his hand on it. And he realized he would not make any headway here. It happens all the time. Sometimes it is a preacher. Sometimes it is a Sunday school teacher. Sometimes it is a Sunday school member that tries to hijack the class and take them into a different direction. But you have to be careful and listen and beware. False teachers have to be identified and dealt with because what a person believes sooner or later will manifest itself in what they do. Because Jesus says there is an inextricable link between belief and conduct, between what you think, what you believe, and how you act. So by the fruit, if they're teaching sounds solid, sounds biblical, then watch their lives. Because eventually, by their fruit, you will know them. Now, I do love and appreciate the ministry of some television preachers. I watched David Jeremiah on Sunday morning before coming to church. I think he, he is, has a lot of integrity. I love Billy Graham. 
I love those, those guys that hold up the Word of God and teach it with integrity. A good preacher of God's Word is a blessing to the kingdom. But some of those guys that I mentioned, Ernest Angsley, Reverend Ike, Jimmy Swaggart, um, Jim and Tammy Baker, it, what they're doing is almost comical if it wasn't doing so much damage to the kingdom of God, to good, hardworking, honest, trusting Christians who, who end up trusting them and following them, to those non-Christians who point fingers at, at those guys and just make fun of the faith. It does such damage to the kingdom. So we've got to be careful. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And John goes on to say that he is a false prophet if he says that Jesus was not born in the flesh. Because there were some in Jesus' day, in John's day, who were teaching that Jesus was not really flesh and blood, but just spirit. There are others who were teaching that Jesus was not really the Son of God, and there are religions today that still advocate that, that heresy. Listen. Be careful. When, when someone comes to your door, they will start talking about all the things that they have in common with you. And the more you investigate and the more you learn, you'll find out that there are a lot of differences, dangerous differences. So beware. In ancient China, gem merchants often took apprentices into their shop to study their craft and how to select and cut and sell rare stones. One young man came in to a master craftsman one day and and asked if he could be his apprentice, and the craftsman agreed to let him do so, and so he said, you come back tomorrow morning and we will begin. So the next day, the apprentice came in, and the craftsman gave him a ruby and told him to sit in the corner and hold it. And so throughout the day, that's what the apprentice did. He came back the next day and did the same thing. He came back the next day and the next day, and the next day, and just sat in a corner and held a ruby. After a couple of weeks of doing that, the apprentice finally went to the craftsman and complained, why, why were you doing this? Why am I being treated this way? And the master craftsman, without saying a word, placed a stone in the young man's hand, and when the apprentice said, this is not a ruby, because he had learned to distinguish the authentic from the fake by constant exposure to the real thing. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to be exposed to the real thing. We need to be familiar with God's Word, not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but throughout the week, spending time with, with the Lord, studying His Scripture, studying His Word, listening to folks, weighing what they say, by the word, weighing what they do, by the lifestyle they purport to live. And if anything varies from the truth contained in God's scripture, they are a false prophet and to be put aside. Be careful, beware whom you listen to and trust. Be on the alert 
And if you ever hear me say or do anything or anyone from this pulpit or any Sunday school teacher or anyone in your Sunday school class or any small group, if you ever hear anyone say or do anything that is not biblical, not scriptural, confront them in love. Let's bow together. Father, there are people today who would go out and take over a good Bible-believing church, a Sunday school class, a small group, a family that loves you, but just doesn't know yet how to distinguish truth from falsehood or scripture from heresy. And so help us, Lord, just to spend whatever time it takes, whatever time is necessary, spending time with you, spending time in your word, so that we will know the truth and be familiar with the truth. And when someone comes and says they're preaching the truth, but in reality they are not, when in reality perhaps they're living a life that does not bear the fruit of the Spirit, that we will recognize the wolf that they are hiding in sheep's clothing. The deceiver. And denounce them for who they are and what they're doing. Give us the boldness and the courage to do that. And to protect the flock. The sheep who love you and want to follow the good shepherd. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.